Have you ever looked up at the stars and wondered if your world and everything in it is merely the result of four pasty weirdos who may not even be wearing pants, sitting at their computers talking to each other? What if the moment these dorks grow bored of imagining your world, they can just ball it up and throw it away? Well, welcome to Disposable Worlds. Welcome to episode two of Disposable Worlds, the podcast where we take your world-building concepts and we throw them into our collective blender of a brain, turn it up to 11, and uh, see what splashes out the top. I am Ryan, and I am the chief executive officer of the uh, Disposable Worlds conglomerate, and um, with me are my three co-hosts. Why don't you introduce yourselves? And uh, I'm, I'm Cody, and I'm the 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 new mailroom boy. Wow, you've really fallen far. So I'm the new mailroom boy, and I, I gather up all those concepts, and, and I'm the one who pours those into our our brain blender. <laughs> all right, Stephen. Oh yeah, we haven't lost. Delicious. All right. Yes, yes. I am Stephen. Um, I'm I'm the 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 chief um technology. <laughs> chef i i blend science and magic inside of a a big pot and i scoop it out for all my friends to eat and they feed themselves off of my my that was beautiful yeah Uh, that's really nice we got too many cooks in the kitchen (laughs) well that's okay because i'm jacob and um i am the guy in charge of carrying around the lid to the blender and i accidentally forgot about it um, mm. One job left it at home, and so now that's an that's an important responsibility. Yes. Yeah, but, well, it's that's okay. That's why we hired you. It's okay though, because now all of the goodness that we produce will spread out across the world and splatter people in, in their faces and on their fancy shoes. Wonderful. Well, uh, so this is our second episode. Um, today Can we're going to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, what we do here in this podcast is we take um, submissions uh, from audience, we poll and see what is interesting to our listeners and what they would like to uh, hear thrown into a world. Um, so we take the top two uh, most upvoted, upvoted comments and then one wild card, and then we turn that into um, our own sort of uh, mental experiment in world building. Uh, Brian, Brian, yep. I'm concerned you're seriously confusing our listeners. Uh, how so? First, you tell them that we blend their shit up <laughs> with our mind blender, <laughs> and now and now we're taking uploaded ideas. Yeah. You're sending too many mixed signals, Ryan. Well, it's a virtual mind blender. You gotta pick one and stick to it. Oh, all right. Reddit provides us with the ice and with the ice cream, and then mm, we go. add the flavorings to make the delicious world shake. Yeah. And we, cr- yeah. The two fundamental the scoops flavors. come from Reddit. Let me crank that handle. That's, That's blender handle. <laughs> That's all. That's cranked handle blender. It's conceptual. It's a lot of work. 
let's talk a little bit about um, immersion and uh, how you get an audience or how you get um, readers or anybody sort of interacting in your into your uh, imaginary world into that imaginary world. Um, I find that it helps when crafting a story to cater your story to each individual mm. reader or listener. <laughs> So to release release a separate version version <laughs> for each person. So it's like couture. That feels very immersive. That's true. With each person's name as the protagonist. Yeah, people don't realize that's why the Bible did so uh, well back in the day. Is that whole first uh, like chapter or so was just this name and this name. Yeah, and this name. Matthew. There's the chapter for Matthew, and then they did the chapter for Mark, and then they did that chapter for Luke. Yeah, they only had like 12 names back then, so... Well, there's only like 12 people. Yeah. The hero of our story tonight is you, James <laughs> McDougan. <laughs> You've earned this. Yeah, it's all about you tonight. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to right. hop in a little bit um, and see what you guys have thought about maybe some of the best um, cases of immersion that, that you've come across and uh, whether you are more of a sort of both feet first or a uh, zero zero depth entry pool sort of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, um, why, why don't you, uh, since this is your topic, why don't you start us off with this example to get the... the yeah, what what, what immerses you into the deep pools of the world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there's... I think if done well, you can make a case for either either scenario. Um, being tossed in, like just head first in to uh, a story, can be really appealing. It can work really well um, if you can kind of get that sense of wonder um, from the get go. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a, a series of books called The Black Company for a while, and I read the first like several books multiple times because it was just impossible to get the the later books. They're out of print for a long time, and they were kind of a uh, just drop you right in sort of a deal. You had no idea what was going on. And it was written from the perspective of, um, it was a series of fantasy novels, but it was written from the perspective of like some real foot slogging mercenaries caught in the middle of this wizard war. Mm -hmm. So there's these amazing, like godlike wizards, um, on all around them. And, and they were just caught up in their, their machinations. And, but they were able to continue to survive and actually get the better of these wizards because they, were the dirtiest fighters and they could come up with the, the meanest and craftiest tricks and constantly outwit everybody else. Um, but you were dropped in and it was written from the perspective. It was a war journal essentially, um, of one of these soldiers. Um, so you were given, you were basically like you were just assumed that you were already a member of the group and you were being, and this was all being read in posterity. Um, so that was really cool, but it was actually really hard to get into at first. And um, I recommended it to uh, another friend, and he just couldn't make it past the first couple chapters because you were just was it was it because it's it doesn't make any sense. It's I mean defeating a bunch of wizards <laughs> as a mercenary. Like it, they expect you to get behind that, back at that idea. No, who could defeat a wizard? An entire army of wizards. Uh, no, well they drop you in really like into the into the middle of a battle. Actually, they're in the middle of a siege essentially. Um, uh-huh. And so it just picks up like kind of like you know like okay this the shit's hitting the fan and this is kind of this is this is how it happened this is what mm. happened when we had this altercation um, so you don't know you know you you don't even have a sense if, if you didn't know it was a fantasy story you wouldn't really know what this setting was or like what 
you know, like what the technology level or anything like that was. What, yeah, what kind of wizards are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, like here? space wizards. Are these or, fantasy wizards? Yeah. But you don't actually come across a wizard until a bit Science later. Wizards. Um, oh, well, shit. oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the problem. That would have definitely have clearly grounded you in the fantasy okay. setting, I think. Uh, yeah, sometimes you just gotta lead with the wizard. I mean, if you're looking for a total wizard immersion, you start with the wizard, I think. It's, all, all the best books start with. By exactly. the way, there's a wizard in this. <laughs> that is a good disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I learned Chapter magic. One. Well, that's how Harry Potter started, and I, I would say that that went a long way with the success. Um, I always thought that was just England. What? Sorry. I always thought it was just England. I didn't know anything about wizards. I just thought that's what they do in England. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought it was about child abuse. Harry Potter, that's, you know, that's, that's just a regular old journal story huh, of a kid going to a regular old school in England. <laughs> just so, they talk so funny over there. <laughs> but, uh, like, I I always, like, with that story, it sounds like it's it throws you right in with a large cast, a, a bunch of moving parts, like this mm-hmm. massive event. Whereas all the things that I felt really, uh, really pulled me in uh, quickly, kind of started off almost in that uh, like introductory level. Like I had, like if they have maybe one or two uh, characters talking about some event that happened, you know, recently or something like that, or something that they're about to go do. If it mm-hmm. starts off small, you focus on one or two characters that may be a part of the larger story or maybe not like you look at game of thrones both in the the show and in the book you start off with three or four uh rangers or uh, i don't know i haven't fucking watched that show for a while but like the the uh, night's watch dudes you see them <laughs> out in the woods um you get a feel for okay you automatically can see, you know, this is someone of lower stature, this is someone of higher stature, so those are class differences that are automatically a part of this world. And then you have swords, cool, there's going to be swords in this world, probably not guns. And then zombie child comes up and (laughs) eats a guy's throat out, and you're like, oh, cool, so I'm going to be very happy watching this, because there are zombie children eating... I think I think you bring up an excellent it's point. Very, very it, positive, is, it is definitely right the, like the, the small things, the, the details really do make a, a pretty big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, like George R. R. Martin, he does an excellent job of, of, of immersing you fully into that world. Um, I think the best example of that is his pages upon pages of uh, descriptions of meals. <laughs> but he's just he's working on his cookbook <laughs> spinoff, so you can't really fault him for that. But I, mean, I think he, I, a yeah, fully yeah. immersive cookbook spinoff. <laughs> I, I think you make a good point though, because honestly, um, I think that the that introductory chapter, that like sort of whatever that is, like the foreword or whatever, um, to uh, that first Game of Thrones book, is actually probably one of the better introductions to a book ever written because it has it's so loaded with so much content. Like you do, like you're right. Like it, you you get to see that there is like a very rigid social hierarchy in this world. You get the sense of the tech level. Um, like you get a sense of how characters sort of interact and how gruff the characters are going to be going forward, even though those guys were all totally disposable. But then you get like you get a glimpse behind the curtain of like the horrible nightmare, like driving this the story. Um, well, well, more than just that, it 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 it, launch, it like launches the overarching like major major plot element for the entire series. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And. And it, and it leads into like character resolved. motivations down the, down the line. Like the dude who runs away from that situation is you know he he is uh, gets his head chopped off by Ned Stark mm-hmm. later. 
Yeah. And, Spoilers. And in that moment, he. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Did I spoil the chapter two? Did so I spoil chapter two of that book? Uh, <laughs> the the I've only literal ever read the first, first chapter, chapter of the book. Over, over <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I've just read the prologue. I, I really haven't made it. I was actually going to know. I mean, like as as much as that first chapter is perfect. Honestly, Game of Thrones is a book where it does start off very aggressively mm-hmm. in every chapter thereafter, where you know every time you go to a new point of view you're encountering several new characters. But what Martin has done to make it so great is how consistent everything is and, and how uh, reliable the way he describes things. Um, like you guys said, there's there's a, a, a hierarchy that he develops and he sticks to it. Um, you're, not, you're not going to immediately to the opposite side of the world. I mean, mm. although you are with the Dothraki at times, but at least in, 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 in for the most part, you're remaining within a certain kind of social structure and you kind of develop an understanding for it. Um, but then he does, you know, he, he does continue to, to change and develop and it get, can be overwhelming at times um, just because of how much well, is think, in I think it. one of the, like, uh, his, his finest traits as a writer is his ability to capture like the thoughts and emotions of each of his characters. Mm-hmm. Like when he introduces a new character from their point of view. Yeah. Like you, for some characters, you you see you see them in the story, and you you see their interactions from the outside. And it isn't until you get that point of view chapter that you really realize, like for Cer- Cersei, for instance, yeah. how fucking crazy. She is. <laughs> <laughs> like you watch her in the yeah, other chapters exactly. from the other perspectives, and you're like, this oh man, that she is so clever and conniving. And then you read her chapter, she's like, she doesn't know what the fuck she's <laughs> doing. That's crazy. <laughs> she's just paranoid. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, and that, that is a good point, though, too. Like, he, he is consistent, at least when he transport you transports you uh, across the ocean into other characters' perspectives. Like, you still have a sense of, you, you know who those characters are. There wasn't a point where you're like, why am I reading about this little girl being auctioned off or whatever? You know exactly what her impact is on the overarching story. And I've read several several novels. Um, well, la-ti-da. I've read... Five or six novels. I've read like five or six novels, so I know what I'm That's talking about. World building expert here, you know how it is. I've colored in at least three colors. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but like, I have seen I'm a professional books on here. shelves before. But there's like, okay, I get it. I've gone to a library. But there's like the, on the other end of the spectrum of that, though, is like the, uh, the Malazan Book of the Fallen series, which I don't know if any of you guys have read this or tried to read it or what and i'll probably take a lot of heat from from the online it community. just it just sounds unapproachable well it, it, it very much is it's like book after book after yeah. book of like these thousand page books and people that get into them love them but they're like oh yeah you gotta plow through the first two or three books before it really starts to make sense yeah. and it's like no i don't want to do that like i read 300 <laughs> pages and these characters don't actually yeah. matter like they might come in later but like like it's just characters being introduced and then they go away and then more guys being introduced and they go away and then they might come back later but I've completely forgotten what they've done because you didn't interest me in the first place 300 exactly. pages ago. Well, and it's that's the thing it's that initial hook like Martin sure he's going to throw a lot of characters and a lot of uh, politics at you but you don't really realize it until you're like halfway through the first book you're like 
holy shit, wait, okay, no, I, I guess I remember this person, but I've got, like, 12 fucking people w- talking to my head right now, like, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, when you need, when you need an appendix, yeah. you know, at the end of, at the end of the book? Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For all the characters you've introduced? Yeah, but George R. R. Martin does have that, though. Yeah. He just introduces them. <laughs> Which is very nice. You know what's, it's, exactly. I, I, I would say it is unfair to compare other authors to George R. R. Martin, because that dude... That dude is a, a robot designed in a lab, programmed to write books, no. but not all books, programmed say. to write enough books to get a bunch of fans, and then programmed to disappoint the shit out of them. Yeah, well, not yeah, we need to boil to that stop writing yeah. because he is He's an unreliable. He, he is a, a, a robotic weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, yeah he's, yeah, ultimate troll, I'm sure. <laughs> I swear he will be the, yeah, the catalyst of the oncoming apocalypse. Well, well um, we can only hope. <laughs> who runs on he runs on DOS. Let's let's be honest. Here. One of the one of the book series that I've been reading, the and actually Cody, you're the one who uh told me about this, The Lies of Lochmomora. Um, oh yeah, I'm, that, I'm rereading that right now. Yeah, actually. yeah I, I I started rereading it a little bit ago. Like that and, and guess guess who guess whose quote is on the cover of that book? Say how great it is. Uh, uh you? Martin? George R. R. Martin. Yep. George Double R. Martin. Fantastic. I was gonna say you didn't just <laughs> Take a sharpie and write your favorite quote. <laughs> I love this book. <laughs> Great book. Cody Drake it. really likes this. But no, like that—that that very, very good much book. also starts uh, kind of in the middle of the action, where you know you you are introduced to this character called the Thief Maker, and he's going to talk to a blind priest, and it's just like, okay, this is a very odd world, and he's talking about selling this child. What the fuck is happening? But it's two characters talking it's just two characters talking about something that happened in the past and it slowly expands from there like if you if you focus on such a large big swath of 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 basically a chunk of the world it needs to be you know somewhat familiar for people to kind of get comfortable with it before you can start focusing on the uh, little bits or you can just hyper focus on a small portion of it and then start expanding out. School, I think you did bring up an excellent example because the way that he uh, uh, presents the world to you is through like flashbacks mm-hmm. to help show like uh, showcase the world, like the sort of people in it, and also the character development of the main character as well. And that's already established by the time you're into like the third chapter. Well, there's which George R. R. Martin doesn't really do flashbacks well he, he does a little bit there's there's a few like no. but um yeah mostly dream, dream sequences and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. yeah uh, but this this i think uh, the lies of lock and lamora um brings up an interesting sort of topic in world building uh which i think is uh like frustration to your readers <laughs> i think in that i honestly i love those books but the one thing that i worry about um is that in a world that he's created with all these crazy alien like structures and technologies and things that are out there, I'm not sure that he has any um, desire to, to explain actually it. explain those things. Oh, yeah. I know, and I fucking love that. I love uh, see, that and, these are yeah. just always going to be <laughs> massive structures that no one knows about, but they're like, yeah, these are pretty cool, right? But I kind of I I don't actually because I feel like I'm more of like the school of Chekhov's gun, which is that if there's a gun in your play, it has to be fired. You know, yeah, like well, he does have like four yeah. more books he's gonna release. Maybe he will, maybe maybe he'll touch on that. Well, bit. I, don't I mean, know. would hope so, but like he just has no like out of the first three books, he has like no, there's there's like no, no touching on that. There's just mm-hmm. they're things that kind of complicate his world, and then they're almost sometimes act as like these sort of like Deus ex machinas, except not. They're more like Deus 
fuck yous or whatever to the protagonist because <laughs> they just screw yeah they just screw stuff up but like that's about I think it. this is another question that we have to ask ourselves about like authors creating mm-hmm. the world is like how many of them actually know what they're getting themselves into because mm-hmm. you know you know you know George he's got a whole network like plastered up in his room or something like well like no a he has a, a, like an apprentice who he checks with yeah. and is like hey I want to do this thing is that going to fuck up anything that I've done in the past? And he's like, no, no, that's cool. Go for it. And then it'll just well, yeah, exactly. So, so they're on, on one side of the spectrum, there's, there's the Georges point. of the world um, who are frustrating in their own rights. And then on the other side of the spectrum, are the, there are the people who enter into a series and maybe didn't expect it to become as popular as it did and just started <laughs> like sp- spitting fire on a page without even realizing where it was going. And then they just have to like, oh, cool alien structures. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've even even in the the couple short stories I've written, and and the very few people who have heard them, I've had questions uh, from people asking things that I'm like, I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that. I don't know how to answer that one. That's not in my story. I think the perfect example is like if you look, if you compare. Uh, now we're we're gonna take a dive here. Um, <laughs> if you compare mm-hmm. like uh, a manga like Bleach to one like One Piece. Uh, here we go. Manga I have read and regret to one I haven't read. Regret not having read also it. Regret. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Um because yeah, in Bleach, uh, like the first the, the first main arc is well established, and then I think that the author didn't realize that it would continue after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then you you can just tell the entire time I'll read that he's just pulling shit out of out of thin air, making stuff up, and he reaches and he gets to that point where he just you know he he power caps everyone everyone gets too stupidly powerful so he has to find like even more even more ridiculously powerful people to match them whereas in one piece you can tell that like this guy has had a plan from the beginning yeah. and the whole time while you're reading it you can tell that this is this is well formulated he, he knows exactly what's going on like maybe along the lines he'll come up with like better ideas for things or more interesting character developments or characters to introduce but ultimately he has like had a structure for how he expects the story to unfold well i think that that leads into another interesting topic which is like what is the what is the point of of world building like if it is if this is something that you're just doing some escape from loneliness. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> obviously for you, but, <laughs> but I mean, if, if this is something that you're going to share with oh. people, it, it's one thing to just sort of have your own sort of fun fantasy worlds. But if you, if you're actually going to take this to somebody or, or it's something that you want to share with people, you have to understand that like your audience doesn't have the same sort of wants and desires that you do. Mm-hmm. If it's just a series of you want constantly one upping your own imagination that could lead to, kind of nowhere you know it just turns into you know the comic book style of just like oh the bigger guys or like in the like the case of that tv show finding new convoluted ways to depower your protagonist so that yeah there's like the tv show heroes where like they just kept giving people superheroes or superpowers to get out of whatever problem they got themselves into and then like all of a sudden now somebody can fly and now all of a sudden somebody can time travel so they go back in time and then why i don't know it just didn't make any fucking sense mm-hmm. so like and and again like with the lies of Locke lamora like you've got all these crazy sort of super that's the most interesting thing to me about that series is like what what, are, what is this crazy ass world that they live in exactly there's that overarching that lingering mystery no matter what that is always there like what are these elder structures and who were these ancients that built them 
but if there's never any sort of like payoff or like if if the mystery doesn't become its own reward, then you've kind of screwed up. You've just come up with a cool something that looks cool on paper at first, but then eventually mm-hmm. it's just like okay, the, I, this person's just bullshitting me at this point. Mm-hmm. All right, so the safer route would have been just just to give a taste, a taste in each book, well, a, a, you know, a little a little hint of the mystery behind those towers, or at least that there was like some sort of need for that mystery to be explored, and and then. You know, like you know, something to let you know that there's, there's, that I mean, it's going to come full circle. Because I just, I just got the impression that he had no desire to sort of explore that that realm, which is the most interesting part to me. Yeah, I guess I haven't read those books necessarily, but in in the way that any aspect of a world can have influenced the characters and and can have its major impact on their lives, then. You know, that's the payoff kind of fundamentally is that these characters have been shaped mm-hmm. by this thing in their world. Um, and, and so sometimes when you're developing a world like that's just that's just the history of that world. And an author may not want to go into why that happened or or whether or not it's going to have a significant action in the future. But it impacted the lives of the people who are in that world. And in that way, it kind of fundamentally. Well, is I think its there's a certain world. approach that that can be taken that that makes it, um, like you, at least you don't feel like you missed something or been left out of something. Um, like the the altered carbon series, which I don't know if you've read those. Jacob, did you end up reading those? Um, I read most of the first one, but it got real dark. So yeah, I, they got real dark. On it. <laughs> but it was it that was a sort of similar sort of the deal where like you're living in a post alien contact world where like human beings have found all these crazy ass spaceships and and like structures on mars and stuff and like back or um yeah sort of like retro uh whatever the fuck reverse engineered Mm -hmm. um all the technology now they can go to other planets and stuff like that but like that civilization died out long ass Mm -hmm. time ago um and you know at one point they actually board one of these crazy ships that they find out in you know orbiting some crazy star and you you get to see like okay that's that's the, that's the the lid on this like we will never see know what happened because they're gone like they're just yeah. they're gone um, but at least you get to touch that and see mm-hmm. that and you kind of have that sense from the beginning it's like he was very no bones about it like like these guys are gone they did something and they killed themselves or they did something went horribly wrong and well, now and we're that's kind of how I yeah. that's kind of how I saw the structures and and Lamora was that they are you know, so old and so ancient and they don't even know who these people look like or what these people look like, who they were or anything like that, that it's just a taken part of the world and we don't need to focus as much on it because they don't focus as much on it. Sure, it's it's neat and it's cool, but it's not, you know, it doesn't blow their mind every five minutes when they look Mm -hmm. at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's you know it's like um, uh, you know mountains and lakes, right? <laughs> Where do those come from? Huh? But, Nobody knows. Why, why don't you explain that? Yeah. Why does everything need an explanation? But I, think I know that, we'll never find out how the the, se- the mountain goblins made those things. So. Yeah, a, a series that kind of did that, I think. Uh, well, I don't know how well they did it, but they at least did it. Like the Halo series. Like for the mm-hmm. longest time, you heard about the Forerunner. You heard about you know you were you were playing as a person who they thought as a reclaimer of this Forerunner species. So, oh, God. Like, how many people like laud the Halo series for having an excellent storyline, <laughs> an excellent tied together storyline? Well, I think the, the first one did pretty good. Honestly, yeah, I don't the, remember the, how the first stand. Yeah, the first one by itself. Yeah. 
But then, but, yeah, you you end up yeah. actually meeting one. You end up actually talking with them and getting an understanding of, of who they are and everything. But you're right, like that series specifically touched on it so many times and introduced so many aspects that absolutely, if they didn't have any sort of payoff, then I mean, sure, there might have been people who are like, wait, there's a story in this? Oh, cool. But you know. I like the idea of having some sort of ancient mystery like that. And, you know, when, whenever you have an ancient mystery in a story, it's always something really cool, right? It's like this this crazy cool ancient thing that the super powerful species did. But I like the idea, like, I like sub, sub, yeah. subverting that. And, like, what if what if the towers in Loch Lamor are the reason why we haven't really touched on it yet? Is because those are, like, you know, uh, giants penises <laughs> of course like when they, they die fully erect and they're still there just that's just what happens when those giants die they crystallize over could be yeah that's what i like to think yeah i mean maybe maybe that's what stonehenge really was this whole time it's just a site for orgies you know they just had it was just a giant J.O. They got aroused that. by these strange rocks from thousands of miles away, and they were like we gotta get these here i don't care how many slaves it takes we're moving these rocks and we're fucking right there. I can't get off. <laughs> I gotta get off I'm not on these go rocks. I'm gonna all the way across the river. Oh, this is gonna be on Infowars next week, I guarantee. You. <laughs> uh, so I think I think you know we, we've touched on this topic well enough. I think it's time to build a wall. Yeah, guys. I think Absolutely. you're right. I'm ready. All right. So and and now that we've we've criticized like uh, <laughs> building building a mysterious history uh, let's be very cautious time to show them how it's done and, and jumping into things let's That's get right. into ridiculous concepts alright so the um, I'm really excited about this because we had some really good um, posts uh, this time so the top two winners this time not last time because <laughs> oh, last time was still pretty good but like last time was almost cool. yeah almost every one I'm of sorry, these I'm sorry Brian what what part of ghost gatling guns ghost power gatling guns wasn't cool oh, that was really fantastic. everything was everything I'm, was I've cool I've never said that. it wasn't cool you're the one that said it sucked you heavily implied all right so the top two um, most upvoted um, concepts this week um, are uh, four uh, the first ones from Gideon Chan. And uh, his is a universe where suffering equals wisdom, a deconstruction of most of most edgy anime and young adult fantasy novels. Okay. Uh, the next one is from I Like Mistborn. <laughs> and, uh, his, co- his concept is a fantasy world where half the planet is perpetually on fire while the other half is always frozen over with races on each side that evolve to survive their respective climates. All right, so those two are locked in for sure, but there's a few that are like actually some pretty good wild cards. Mm-hmm. Let me just rattle a few off here for you. Uh, the year is 2019, and the soccer moms rule over us all. Um, that's from Sar- that, that would really fit in pretty well. With the other two ones, I think. <laughs> and that's from Sergeant Oceanus. That one built itself. Um, another good one is from uh, user Simplified Apocalypse. Becoming undead is a privilege that nearly everyone strives for. Frankenstein-like creatures are seen as the ultimate afterlife. Sweet. Um, that one fits in pretty well. But that it fits pretty well, too. Wild. I really wish we could combine fire that one with the soccer moms. <laughs> fire zombie soccer But that's off the table. And here's, and here's my actual personal favorite. Uh, from uh, user Lord Henry 7898 <laughs> Critters with beer for blood. <laughs> I mean, 
So that's a tough call. Yeah. I know. So who decides? Who who makes this call? I don't know. I mean, Steven. What? Steven. Steven does. I've, I've right. been Steven, Steven does. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Wasn't that your official title when you introduced yourself? Yeah. You're you're the you're the master ah, chef true. today. I was. You're I the was decider. The chef. Okay. Um, you're preparing this meal to to put down. You know. 2019 soccer moms, uh, undead privileges, or beer critters. beer critters. Beer critters. I do. I do really like the beer critters. Um, but uh, it's pretty, it's pretty wacky. wacky, and I'm not sure how well it goes with the the fire and ice. Um, you've got. Hold something on, I've for got that? something for that. Yeah. See, when you first said the fire and ice thing, I I I mis- I interpreted that yeah. metaphorically. Part of the world is just on fire. They are just love. They're they're just having a, a uh, all that orgy fest twenty four seven. The frozen other part is is cold and you know, yeah frozen. Like they're they're not they're not getting any anyone <laughs> that side of the world. But it, it is it does <laughs> say they actually probably survive. Won't, they probably won't make it very climates. far into the ice world. Uh, so unless you're yeah. talking about social well, social and sexual, sexual climates. climates, emotional climates. So yeah, emotional climates, sexual yeah. climates, you gotta... Not to start diving in, but I guess, like, salamanders would be, like, fireball? Like, they would have fireball in their as their blood or something? I guess Is it's fireball and beer? beer? I'm confused. Hmm. Well, we haven't decided. we got to figure this okay. out. Oh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm jumping. No, no, I, I, yeah, I think let's go bit. with the, the beer for blood. Um. All right, beer for blood. All right, a universe where suffering equal, equals wisdom... See, that just goes right with beer for blood. I mean, suffering and... Uh, a, dis- a deconstruction of most edgy anime. Mm-hmm. It also goes right with the yeah. fire and ice so, planet. I think... Alright, so this planet would have to be, I would imagine, have to be, like, tide-locked with its... The, the star That's that what it's I was thinking. Like, like, it has, one, so one, it has mm-hmm. one side that is perpetually facing the star. Mm-hmm. That could be it. Could we think of another... Another reason why that would be um, the case? Um, well, maybe. Um, it's like a. Uh, well, okay. Magic. Maybe it's like a Dyson sphere, but only like a half of one or I something have... like that. Or maybe, uh, maybe it's a flat um, planet where one half is uh, facing uh, a star, and the other one's like uh, facing. I was light. actually, I was mm-hmm. thinking, um, you know, maybe it just gets its light from the star, but the heat comes either internally from the core of the planet or from some sort of like orbiting moon is is where the actual heat would would be focused hold on i got it so so i mean we we have this world full of these people who uh they they intentionally uh inflict a mass amount of suffering upon themselves Mm -hmm. to gain wisdom right yeah so let's say that there are these two combating philosophies about the suffering. Like the ultimate form of suffering is freezing your balls off, <laughs> and the other side is like, no, no, no. The ultimate form of suffering is, of course, burning. Eternally. Interesting. Um, yeah. So it could be that this is self-induced. Absolutely. They, they have they have created these atmospheres on this on these on this planet, and they've divided the surface based off those philosophies. Yeah, all of the like you 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 cold you cold ball weirdos. You can go over there and do your thing on that side of the planet. We got we got fire town over here. So what's the line of demarcation though? Yeah, the people who live you know closer towards the more equator type area, they're kind of the dullards. They're not necessarily you know as okay. yeah. as knowledgeable or as wise or anything. But the folks who are more towards the poles, who who strive to to you know push themselves more and more, 
Yeah, they like they've got that life experience. They know what's up. Exactly. Or it could be instead of just on the surface, it could be like the external, the external portion of the planet is the fireplace, and the inside is the ice. Oh, I mean, well, you could just go ahead and flip that, and it would be any planet, like, like any ice planet. The internal would be molten and would be fire. Yeah. And. The outside would be frozen. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess that idea's already been done. <laughs> by nature. It does. It does say oh, a good. fantasy nature world where it. half half the planet is on fire and the other half is frozen over. So. But does it have? To, it doesn't have to be sliced well, down. I, the it doesn't though, specify does like it? how it's sliced. Yeah. It yeah that's so a good the, point. The but then, yeah. How do you? Are, are you talking about like inner half, inner half by volume? 50%. Um, inner half by surface area. Yeah, like sure. we can we can really get. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Into some into some stuff <laughs> here. Well, okay, so is it happening this way because of... So how are they doing this? If it's like a choice... I do like the choice So idea. are they... Do they... So do they have like... Um, so are they basically... Do they have some sort of um, technology that is like sucking all of the energy off of one side of the planet or from 50% of the planet and then just blasting that heat energy like onto the other side? Or maybe maybe they're producing the energy themselves with some sort of intense workout regime. <laughs> <laughs> Could be... Well, and I think the technology—that sounds like suffering to me. The technology aspect of it, I think, would be kind of neat because at some point, everyone's more or less the same intelligence, the same amount of wise on, uh, on both halves. Normal, well, I don't know the about normal that. wisest of wizards, but Wait, peak wisdom. But the maximum. Um, no, at some suffering. point, someone burns their hand on a skillet, and they're like, "Oh shit." Oh, now I, I know how to cook, like, um, you know, filet mignon now. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Wait, but... hold on. And, and so Do we then... have, like, some sort of catch-22 situation going on here? Where it's like, a wise person probably wouldn't intentionally burn themselves, uh-huh. you know? But no, they've... Even if it meant gaining wisdom. They've gained wisdom through their trials, though, and they realize... So they become so wise, they're like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll well, they, this they were planet. initially just... They were initially just Y'all smart enough to realize that hard lives make for wiser people, and so they took it all the way to an extreme. And now maybe they're starting to figure out that, you know, if all you're doing is trying to survive, then you're not doing much else. So are they too wise to uh, suck the beer out of critters? No. That's like... to, to sink their teeth into these critters and suck that sweet juice. Well, no, and that'd be juice. an interesting question: is is it actually the suffering? I mean, of course, if we're following the Reddit thread, it is the suffering. But if it's also well, the only place that the critters would survive is kind of that middle area. Everything else is too extreme. The middle area is also where the kind of dullards are. So maybe they're just getting, getting too getting drunk. drunk. Do the critters become wise? <laughs> no, the critters are critters. No, are they're boots. critters. Critters, by definition, are stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe the, I don't know, maybe like everything, all, I don't know, maybe all animal life is like highly <laughs> alcoholic, <laughs> and that's like the only um, uh, break that you get is by cracking open a cold, <laughs> cold, cold bunny, be- a, a cold gerbil, yeah. <laughs> just break off. A- <laughs> A cold, a cold giraffe, or, or a fiery hot ostrich. If you're really thirsty, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, I don't know. Like, I could almost see there being like a uh, like a uh, a pilgrimage or something like that, where you like you have to walk around the entire circumference of the world or something like that to gain wisdom through uh, suffering. Wait, circumference of which part of the world? Because I, I just do the North Pole. Uh, 
the equator. Maybe, oh, shit. Maybe you just have to walk around the diameter of the world. That'd be pretty easy. And so is the is the distinction between the fire side and the ice side, is that, like, perfectly exactly one half is on this side, one half is on that side? Or is it more, like, continental drift, like... There's a, a fiery uh, uh, landmass in the middle of a frigid ocean, um, and they're just a, pu- a bunch of those kind of floating around, so that it equals half the planet's mass is land, and therefore fiery, and the other half is frozen. I mean, that's certainly more reasonable, and, and I, I think the, the idea of it not being just like literally one half um, is fire and the mm-hmm. other half is frozen is, is kind of more sensible. But I kind of like the mental mm. image of just like a planet that literally from space you could see that half of it is like burning up and the other half is just ice ball. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a tough one. There's actually uh, a uh, book series that I'm trying to read uh, called, I think, Moth. And they have a, a world similar to this where exactly one half of the planet is sunlit, the other half is dark, and it's, like, time-locked or whatever. So, like, that's it's, it's a concept. Yeah, I was about that, to say, this doesn't sound very sustainable mm-hmm. unless it is in the, the tidal, tide-locked. Yeah. Well, you could also have, like, some, depending on the, the technology level, you could have, like, some sort of massive structure that bores through the entire planet. Or, or just like, or like rings the planet, uh, like a series of, of tubes or something like that. Kind of like the way the internet. Oh, is. like an internet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that like just basically like just. No, nope, already been done. <laughs> <laughs> that just sucks all of the heat from one side and then just spews it out the other. Yeah, a hemisphere uh, conditioner. So it's like a constantly flowing. Yeah, like a super, super. Air conditioner. So like one one uh, like. I don't know, like maybe like one pole is just like constantly spewing like magma and death fire and stuff, mm-hmm. and then the other one is just like a, just a, a vacuum of, of cold. So was the question was the question how this affects like daily life for the people of this planet? It, it sucks. sucks. Well, <laughs> well, clearly they're all alcoholics. Clearly, yeah, I think the one the one the one problem release. with a giant uh, air conditioner unit is that the law of thermodynamics would dictate that you would create more heat than cold. So, so the the heat side would always yeah, be winning. Yeah. Boom, frost giants. Well, what I'm kind of thinking now is, what if this planet isn't actually like locked into a sun's orbit, but is actually a giant spaceship in that the exhaust sticking out the one end is propelling it through space, um, and it I don't know keeps running into comets or some shit. That's why planet, we have more planet rocket yeah, ship. Like, yeah. yeah, so the back end is like constantly on fire and slowly ah, melting. So that's when and the front end is just like thrust. Yeah, like ice. So wait, do they live inside of it inside the rocket ship? So they don't even worry about the uh, external temperature. No, not unless they want to learn. Like maybe yeah, they school, not unless they want to suffer. That's how they get yeah. their wisdom. Okay. Well, it might have an atmosphere around it, depending on how big it is. It could still be moving through space and have an atmosphere. And the creatures living on it could live in... I mean, they've adapted to this uh, setting. Like, that was part of the... And how did they adapt? Beer blood. Beer blood. Beer blood. <laughs> That's nature's answer to this planet. Well, a beer blood doesn't freeze nearly as, as, That's true. as quickly. So, doesn't boil either, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> so, like, it's able... Yeah, so they're able to... It's already carbonated. It can't boil. <laughs> you can't, you can't it's boil. Already it's boiling. already bubbly. 
Yeah, exactly. You can't give get, you can't give a liquid two types of bubbles. That's just that's just science. That's that's the laws. Yeah, dude figured that out when that PBR fell out of that tree and hit him on the head. Um, I think that that's pretty cool, though. Actually, like some sort of giant, like, like planet size, like a Dyson sphere or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That's like okay. So that would actually be kind of cool. So like, it it is habitable because like on the I don't know if you guys are familiar with what like a Dyson sphere is. Yeah, uh, yeah, they don't but, lose suction. It's a vacuum. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just made out of vacuum cleaners. No, it's like the concept is, is that you, like you enclose like a star. Um, in a structure and then you like build on the inside of that structure and you have the star in there or whatever but that's kind of insane but something like less big but more like planet size doesn't have a star on the inside but it's like some sort of traveling uh, ship that's like gargantuan and it's hurtling through space but they've had some sort of like catastrophic issue where like the thrusters have degraded and now the heat is just like getting everywhere and melting the back end of the ship but they still have like they still have like a thousand years of thrust left on this thing and they're hurtling, what? hurtling so towards where is all this thrust coming from how are they powering uh, it? Yeah. nuclears it's well, i so, mean so it... <laughs> here's here, here's our opportunity to come up with like one of those to solve one of those great world mysteries <laughs> okay. so these people are on this planet and it's got this powerful thruster that's propelling them through space and they don't know what it is or where it came from but it does I its mean... job so it's it's the star that's within the sphere, but it's got to be a smaller star like Randy yeah. Quaid rather than. In Dennis this case, Quaid. nuclear yeah. actually makes sense because nuclear fusion does create a lot of energy, and you could use it for thrust. A significant amount of thrust. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was like, trying. Like to a about. planet amount for thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be kind of interesting though because like they're like the back end is just spewing heat and like like degrading and and uh coming apart um and just just all of its heat energies is getting like slowly creeping throughout the entire structure while the front end is just accruing like ice um from all of the different systems that it's flying through well and so i think we should bring this down to a personal level because part of the question was understanding like how this affects their lives. Well, well, the the people. Okay, so like it's a deconstruction of most edgy anime and young adult fantasy novels. <laughs> but like, it'd be interesting if there was a pilgrimage that you had to make where you went from the inside, which was still habitable, even though it's getting like all hot and fucked up at one end. But you had to make a pilgrimage. Like they know they're gonna die. Oh, they're hurtling into like the void, uh. and like the thing is coming apart, and they're not gonna make it to where they're going. Um, so they're at least trying to to you know gather what sort of like internal life that they is still salvageable so there's a pilgrimage where you have to actually go outside the structure and wander but it's, throughout it's actually it's actually just a government plot to convince people to go and fix the problem and die in the process <laughs> exactly so there's uh, if this is if this is like the best of young adult fiction or whatever mm-hmm. you know a young couple in a in one of the villages one of them has to go to the well, hold on. There's, there's a difference between to to the there's a difference between inside. young adult fiction and young adult anime well, I, I can only answer to the fiction side. That's the only one. I, I, I haven't been able to, to dive into the anime quite yet. I mean, if we're sticking to that young adult anime, we gotta get we got to get like some sort of competition, some sort of rival. Mm-hmm. Uh, weird abilities. Well, I, I, I imagine all of them like how Like, how, how does the cold and heat affect the hair, the spiky hair? They all have spiky hair. Yeah. They all have spiky hair. They all have frosted tips. But... And what's their ultimate fighting move? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it could be fighting or it could be, like, some other form of uh, competition. 
I mean, they're they're very wise with all their suffering. Maybe maybe they've put their fists aside. They clearly they've mastered the elements from whichever side of center they're from. You know, mm-hmm. the 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 heat people. Like like on the frozen side, they know how to use refrigerators, and on exactly. the other side, they can use microwaves. Maybe. <laughs> Elemental mastery at its finest. They 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 have to live together in order to actually have a functioning household. Maybe okay, so maybe they've. Um... You bring the pizza bites. I'll heat them up. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Maybe hot side versus light side is like evolved into two two distinct sort of like cultures, mm-hmm. and the hot side like sort of reveres the the nuclear reaction, and um, they all have skin cancer. The, they all have super skin cancer. <laughs> and then the other side is, like, trying to snuff it out. Um, uh, oh, so there's, like, a, a war constantly waging in, uh, in this thing. Mm, potentially. Like, there might be, like, two flawed sort of deals where it's, like, the, the one side that wants to snuff it out sees it as, like, it's it's destroying... Maybe they've completely forgotten what the whole point of this thing was, that it was, like, taking them to a whole new solar system. Um and at this point, like, shit's gone real haywire, and they don't even remember what the point is. But they see that as, like, slowly, like, the fire slowly consuming their, their entire uh, space station ship thing. Oh. So it could be, like, during their maiden voyage, this entire planet was, like, pristine, absolutely perfect and flawless, and they were this this perfect society. Mm-hmm. And then they left, and there was some yeah. sort of malfunction, like, hundreds, if not thousands of years down the line, mm-hmm. and it kind of destroyed and corrupted that data that, like, was informing their history and they have long since forgotten their mission mm-hmm. it could it could be entire casts so like the people that are still like uh maintaining the the like the propulsion system were like an engineer's cast or something like that versus like a whole other cast of people that were well like, the other ones were navigators they were the ones who are on the side that's moving forward so they're constantly mm-hmm. looking out and they've been able to tell hey we're losing steam because we're also you know, kind of losing the and planet. It's getting neither of them. Away. Neither of them understand the other, and they're both very critical. Yeah, and they've lost like like all of their viewports and like sensor arrays have been completely iced over on yeah. the forward side. So they have like they're completely blind up on that side. Yeah, but let's say that whoever uh, when they when they launched the the ship originally, they calculated it perfectly to where it would use up the precise amount of fuel that they put into it and enter into a new orbit into a new system mm-hmm. and it's been so long since they've forgotten that that they like when the ship started to flag they they worried and they started to fuel it even more uh, so they have long since like passed their 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 execution point for the oh mission. yeah they overshot and now they're just adrift no in space yeah. Yeah, or maybe yeah. it's like the the reaction got out of hand and it's like slowly consuming the ship and propelling them past like the point where they're supposed to because they would have they wouldn't have had more energy than they would have needed to get to their their destination. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe they would have. That's a decision we <laughs> We're the world's well, goddamn world. There's also like they find some along the way. We can also throw in like magic, fucking like black holes and bullshit like that if we want. Magic. To. I think we're. I think we're. We're hyperbolic <laughs> enough without magic at this point. Yeah. We don't need you know wizards in this story. You know what this world needs. Yeah, no wizards. Oh. Here. And if we if we did need wizards, we sh- we should have said it from the beginning. Fire the wizards. Time. I'm just That's saying. True. Fire <laughs> not put that disclaimer at the beginning of this. Fire doesn't say there's fire no wizards. Ice magic. Here we go. <laughs> well, I think that's a pretty sick world. Mm-hmm. 
Especially Honestly, with all the drinking of the sicken so far as, as it's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it's, but isn't that true with it's all of our faded. worlds? Like, don't we just destroy all of our worlds to the? Actually, should that be how, how many worlds have you destroyed, world? Schooler? Uh, one for one. Yeah, good point. I guess it's true. I was thinking Earth. <laughs> it's not fully destroyed yet, but we're on our way. Don't worry. We're getting there. We're, getting we're working there. on. We we'll get there eventually. Cool. We got our top men on the job. All right. Well, that's one more world in the in the trash can for us. I think mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crumple it up, throw it away. Done. This All is right, where cool. we insert that that Good. sound bite of just paper crumpling. Let's just get the Microsoft trash sound. <laughs> that, that's perfect. Is that what a world being thrown away sounds like? Paper crumpling. Yeah, it's the sound of a million. I want souls people screaming. You know, I want hellfire. Yeah, I'm with Cody on this one actually. We, we, we created these people. We, <laughs> we breathed life into them. Now we're just crumpling up and a ball of paper. Throwing away fire and nice. <laughs> All right, you figure out a royalty-free sound effect for that, and we'll, <laughs> we'll definitely put it in here. Cool. All right, that's a world. <laughs> there it is. Pitch, pitch it, sell it, buy it. Ball it up, ball it throw up. it away. All right, uh, thanks for listening. Yes. And thanks again to... Um, I would like to thank all of my friends from Belafonte for letting us use the intro and outro uh, music. It is from the song Bastion, and it is fantastic. Uh, thank you guys for creating and letting us use that stuff. Yeah, they're, they're really wonderful. Go go listen to them. Nice. Go find their SoundCloud. <laughs> yes, yes. Be- the, they have SoundCloud called Belafonte the Band, which has some of their songs, but not all of their songs, so... So you're gonna have to buy tickets to the live shows. Yeah, you gotta you gotta find them, hunt them down. Give you a reason to go to Wichita. <laughs> That's true. The donuts are good there. Yeah, as if you need. Pretty one. much the best reason. Um, so check us out online. You can catch us uh, our episodes on our website radbotproductions.com, and you can find us on iTunes as well. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and a Twitter feed. Uh, we're also on Reddit. Uh, we've got our own subreddit uh, called Disposable Worlds. I believe it's called a Twitter feed. <laughs> a a Twitter feed? <laughs> that, that tweet website. <laughs> the Twitter feed. So thanks again for listening, and we'll catch um, you next time. Yes, thank you. <laughs>